three, three, two, two, one. one. It's time for the show. Action. You're listening to the It's My Time podcast, a recording of the experiences, past and present, of everyday people. And now, here's your host, the one and only. Asher Chua. Asher Chua. How you doing? Right. Oh, man. Good, man. Just busy, man. Just uh, job and uh, back and forth to Alabama. Mm-hmm. Uh, my cousin got a kidney this year, so um, I went in um, all the month of February, was able to drive him back and forth to Nashville and Huntsville. Uh, so, so good, man. You know, I know the pandemic, some people are, you know, the pandemic hit them in different ways, man. But the pandemic has been super good for me because I can just pack my laptop up yep. and uh, I can get in the car and go and I can still do my job uh, just like this. So. Right. Um, so for me, man, uh, you know, the pandemic um, definitely is good, has been good. Um, it started off 2020 did start off. Uh, my ex, uh, my ex fiance left me, but, uh, uh, you know, it turned out turned out to be, you know, you got to look at the bright side and understand that, you yeah. know, people have to, you know, make decisions. And I think, you know, that decision for her was um, not easy to make, but uh, I think mm-hmm. it was a decision she needed to make for herself. And so, you know, man, but other than that, man, everything is good rolling. And, um, you know, I just, man, 2020 has been just, uh, just for me, a phenomenal year of clarity mm-hmm. and just, you know, I'm on pace to what I want to do, you know, what I've been doing, but, you know, now I really understand, um, you know, my purpose, you know, right. uh, and I'm so so focus on it, you know, so, that's so good. that's the beauty, man. How about you? Man, it, <laughs> it's funny. It's almost like we started on opposite tracks because like I was just saying from 2019, started the podcast, got into it full swing, recorded a bunch, started 2020. I was ready to go, just taking in opportunity after opportunity. I started looking at the consulting piece, seeing how I was going to use that, looking into real estate to hopefully start um, funding a lot of the projects that I wanted and start building residual income. And then of course I got a new job then working with FEMA. I ended up deploying to Puerto Rico at the end of January. And then very soon it's like getting settled there, not having internet. It got a little bit tougher to communicate stateside with um, the people that helped me in the background with the editing and everything like that, posting the episodes. So I kind of struggled through the month of February, but then after a while I, I kind of, I gave up on myself. I don't, I don't know if I'd say I kind of, I, I just quit. I was just like, oh, I'm not doing this anymore. So it's like, of course I kept going to the job for as long as they would have us. And then come March, everything shut down. So we came back home, worked remotely for about two, three months. And then they had to shut that down because um, we couldn't, we we're hired to be site inspectors. So if you can't be there in person to inspect the site, there's a lot less work to go through. There's only so many administrative tasks you can do or so much planning ahead you can do for work you don't have. So then from there, I just kind of came back here to my parents, kind of lounged about a bit. Of course, um, my folks did well to look in on me just because like, Okay, yeah, you have the, the two week quarantine. I, I kind of use that to to be like, okay, I'm quarantining. I, I came from the outside. I don't know what I might have brought with me, so I don't want it to affect you guys. But we try not to let that be um, such a thing. But one of the blessings for me, kind of tuning out of the news and things like that, I I wasn't exposed to as, as much of what was going on, like all the protocols and things of that sort, and 
fast forward to now this year, I started the podcast back up, like going back, listening to older episodes, made an effort to release more, more of what was already recorded. And then also recording new episodes now, following up with previous guests and just really making an effort to just get back into why I, I love doing this and what it is that drew me to it and really just getting that passion back. And then I, f- I found work locally at Home Depot, which is another blessing in disguise in itself, where it's showing me a lot of the practical things that I learned in school, or at least the tools that someone would use to build a project that I'd never really took the time to sit down and fiddle with or go work on a project. It's like, oh, okay, by organizing this, I get to work with a group that's um, really specialized in organizing local stores to make them all look the same. Like now is the spring season. So we're putting things in place where they fit. And one thing that I, I noticed immediately, it's like a lot of people, they show up and they grumble. And I was like, oh, this reminds me of where I was last year. Like you show up to something new. Everybody's always got something to complain about. And then it reminded me again to my mm. first job out of college. I was like, okay, I got to do what worked back then and not do what I did last year when it just didn't work out. And I was just like, oh, I I let the grumbling in 2020 kind of feed into what I was doing where everybody was sitting online just watching like, oh, like, what's the count? What's the dev count up to? Where's it spreading to? Where's it spreading? And I was just like, I didn't want any of that in my head. But also at the same time, I wasn't doing anything to combat it. So getting back on my personal development, like reading Dennis Kimbrough, daily affirmations, daily motivations, and really pouring into myself and then tapping into some of the groups. And then I, I just realized, okay, like focus on the one thing that you need. So it's I'm focusing on building the podcast and I'm focused on resting. So every single day before work, I have to make sure I rest at least six to seven hours. Otherwise, working the night shift, it's going to be rough to do 10 hours four times a week if you don't sleep during the daytime when everybody's running and active. So that, that's kind of what yeah. what happened with me from 2020 to now. Okay. Wow. What a, trans- what a transformation, man. Right. You know, you know, so that well, that's the beauty, man. That's the beauty. And, you know, hey, I, I, I'm a firm believer of, you know, I always wanted to, um, I just remember when I first found, well, I don't know, I won't say first, because somebody showed me Eric Thomas in Alabama, somebody mm-hmm. Somebody I knew said, hey, have you heard of this guy? We didn't really know his name at the time, but it was the guru story. Mm-hmm. And then I, I moved to Delaware and then my nephew had the guru story, but it was the one with the football player Giovanni running on the beach. Mm. And I was like, that's not the video. <laughs> and so I started searching for more uh, ET videos and I you know, ran into the uh, TGIMs. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that was right at the moment of me writing my thesis. Mm. And, you know, what a motivation. So what I would do sitting in the library, I literally would go to YouTube and I started from season one of TGIM and I would play it as I'm researching. And, you know, so I didn't listen to music. I didn't listen to anything, but, you know, ET, you know, motivating and, you know, just those TGIMs. And um, um, I can remember having the opportunity to talk to a football team. And man, I had to look. I mean, I had the ET shirt, no alarm clock needed. My passion wakes me up. I had some shorts on. Mm-hmm. And I mean, and I told the guru story in my version. Um, and it was just, you know, I really wanted to do exactly what he was doing. I wanted to speak to NBA, to the NFL. What what he was doing, I wanted to do. And uh, right. I got with a group of ladies. We had a mastermind group. And um, it was three ladies. One lady... Mm-hmm. Um, I worked with her. She was the computer lady. 
Yeah. Um, at one of, at the community college I was working at, and then her sister, and then her sister had a friend, mm-hmm. and we would meet on a Saturday, and just everybody was trying to be an entrepreneur in their own right. Yeah. And so we were just talking and, and I was like, man, the thing I hate about uh, teaching is I hate writing lesson plans. I can't stand them. <laughs> I just, I, you know, and they were like, well, isn't that kind of a part of your job? I was like, yeah, but I hate them. And uh, one of the ladies, she finally told me, she was like, you know, what are you going to do? Like, nobody's knocking down your door to hear your motivational speech. Mm. And it kind of hit me. I kind of like looked at her like and she said, but you're teaching. So what, what are you going to do? And she really put into my mindset what's important. And that, and from that moment on, when I finally got it, I decided that I was going to master teaching mm. because that was the paycheck that was coming in. Like I saw the the what the work I put out, I saw right. something coming back because right. I was getting paid uh, to teach. So, right. um, so I, I then focused on mastering teaching. And the, you know, what we don't know as individuals, mm. the thing you think you're going for it's kind of it, it would kind of be folded into what you're trying to master anyway because mastering teaching is mastering speech right I stand in front of people doing doing a speech now it may be related to historical uh, material because we're in a history class or whatever class that I'm teaching mm-hmm. but it's still speaking right and so that was probably um 2014 2015 okay and we fast forward we fast forward to 2019 and all of that hustling that I had done all of those driving from school to school you know night from I mean leaving my apartment at 6 30 in the morning and coming back at 10 p.m you know mm-hmm. and getting back up the next morning to do it again and again and I remember people saying, man, you put too much gas in your car. You're crazy. You know, and I and at the time I had my Pathfinder that had over 300,000 miles on it. You know, they're like, man, you putting this thing on the road. And 2019, from the work that I put in, Dell State offered me a full-time position, right. you know. And, and so when you think about hindsight 2020 is I get this job right before the pandemic hit. Yeah. So imagine now, because so, I'm locked in for three Three years. My contract is three years that they have me under their contract. Mm -hmm. So for three years, I will constantly get paid, you know, based on the job that they uh, have me to do. So, you know, so I finally, finally, and like now I'm finally okay with, I I was never meant to be Eric Thomas. I was meant to be Merle Holloway. And Merle Mm -hmm. Holloway's purpose in life is shaped in educating the youth into creating uh, within themselves their own learning process. And that's what, um, that's what, you know, you know, like, you know, to talk with you and, Mm. you know, to share the story. That's what all of the struggles were about. All of the struggles in the past, we can say they're negative. We can say that, ah, man, you know, I could have got it earlier, could have got my degrees earlier, so forth and so forth. And that is so true. But however, Mm. the process is the process, regardless how it happened, how it worked out. Did I, you know, do it right or whatever? As long as I stayed within the process, you are seeing a result of the process, right? Right, and so um, you know those those are the main things that you know I I bring to my students. 
is, I mean, we are in a history class. I, I would love for you to learn history. But mm-hmm. what I do know is you're not going to love history the way that I love history because that's just something I fell in love with. Right. Um, but I do think understanding history is important because it does tells us, it does tell us as a nation, you know, what decisions were not made and can we make those decisions today mm-hmm. so that it can further push our nation um, into what we say this nation is supposed to be about. Right. Um, and if it's not, then that's why you always go back to the drawing board and you see where the mistakes were made and, you know, you mm. try to, you know, pinpoint. So, like, I, I, I used to hate when my math teacher used to say, show your work. Yeah. But now I understand what they meant by that. They didn't, it, it wasn't about, you know, them trying to prove that you're wrong. Right. If you're wrong, we can go directly to the spot where you were wrong. If you didn't show your work, we don't know where you went wrong. We have, right. we have the slightest idea, you know? And so these are the things that I think are so important to truly mm-hmm. understand as we live out our lives and whatever we're doing, you know, like, I, I love how you spoke about a blessing in disguise at Home Depot. Most people won't say Home Depot is a blessing in disguise. Right. Most people say, oh, my God, I'm working the hourly job. And, and, you know, people come in, they got attitudes. I got to deal with their attitude, you know, <laughs> so forth. But, you know, sometimes we are in positions, we are in places. And if you can look hard enough, you can yeah. find the gym right. in, in all of those places, in every yeah. single one of those places. But now, is that an easy thing to do? Not always. Right. Um, You know, but, you know, um, you know, but I think those are the things, you know, that becomes important. And, um, you know, for me to sit in my own apartment and I've never missed a payment through the COVID uh, pandemic. For me, that's the blessing. The, The blessing is I never had to call my rental uh, agency and say, hey, can you not charge me this month because I can't make it. Right. I made every payment, you know. And so, you know, I I think sometimes we we skip the simple things in life because I guess we may look at them as all that simple or that's, you know. Yeah. But I think they're big. I think they're super big, you know. So So anyway, that's my little rant. (laughs) No problem. I mean, to your point, it's like, in all honesty, life is simple. And when you you remember that, you learn to focus on the, the simple things and really practice gratitude. Because I, I know for me, something I was introduced to back in 2017 was the Panda Planner. And one uh-huh. reason I, I liked it is because it has a daily section where it's like every day you do a gratitude practice where it's you write down three things you're grateful for. So it gives you the prompt. I'm grateful right. for one, two, three. And like for today, right. I was like, I overslept for a training that I had this morning by about an hour, but like I was able to get in there and get three hours out of the four hours total time. And right. I was able to connect right. with the others and everything like that. But like whenever after the training, I wrote down in my journal, like I'm grateful for the sleep. Like I didn't know I was going to sleep that many hours, like seven hours would be the max. And I guess I would probably slept up to that if I was up that late. And mm. um, I was like, I'm grateful for the, the changing seasons for the weather, because I think the past two weeks, we've maybe had three or four days of just straight rain, downpour and everything. And then the sun just pops right out right afterwards. And I was like, oh, man, that's that's so beautiful. And it's like, maybe it, it reminds me of the, the Ogmandino Greatest Salesman book where he talks about the second scroll, I will greet this day with love in my heart. And mm. it's like, 
being able to appreciate everything that happens to you, happens for you, like happens around you. Like I'm learning to, I'm learning to be at peace with a lot of things, but then even when right after I'm at peace, something comes up and it frustrates me or it pulls something that I just went through where I thought, Oh, like I'm walking on water. Nothing's going to touch me now. It's like, no, stuff still comes up. Things are going to frustrate you. And they're there for reminders as to, okay, hey, if somebody's encroaching on your boundary, you simply have to say no. Like you don't need to go into it. You don't need to give a big explanation. It's like no is a complete sentence. Walk away, walk with your peace. If the situation changes later, you can always change a no to a yes. But trying to change a yes to a no is going to be more painful than you get more emotions into it and all of that. But I, I appreciate what you said about the simplicity of things because that's that's a beautiful thing. Yeah. Um, and I think that's like for me, that's one of the the, the reason why we're doing this at 530 is because I just got finished playing golf. Oh, I, nice. th- there's something about golf. Like and, and golf is not a simple game. It's very it's very tough. Yeah. You can never it's like you get one part of it down and then the other part is but what I love about golf, I love being outside, right? Mm-hmm. I, this is something about nature that I I love um, yeah. and that I cherish. Um, and then just the joy golf brings to me, mm. right? Like golf is one of those things that even I'm not playing well, I'm not hitting it well, I'm still like kind of in an enjoyment of I'm doing something that, you know, I can afford and I like to do. And I have other individuals that they like it just as much as I do. Right. Which is the reason why we're here. Right. Yeah. You know, and so. So, but that's the thing, like, and, 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 and the, the, the simplicity of golf is you don't have to force anything. If the club hits the ball the right way, the ball Mm -hmm. is going to move forward in a certain way. Mm -hmm. It's when you change whatever you think you need to change. Yeah. It changed the dynamics of where the golf ball goes, you know, and all of these things. So, mm-hmm. so back, you know, just back to the, what we're talking about, the, the simplicity. Life is really, really, life is really simple. Yeah. Life really only is asking us to do what we can do, right? Mm-hmm. What you can control. Right. You can't control if there's going to be a hurricane tomorrow. Yeah. You can't control that. That's out of your control. But what you can control is, uh, can you still be grateful if a hurricane came and swept everything out of your house? Now, everybody missed the memorable stuff, you know, all of these things, you know, but the things that are just so simple is, is what what has, and, and my whole, like for me, what has God put me on this planet to do? And I'm so glad I was able to find it because yeah. I think some people, like they say, you know, the the the, the greatest uh, place on earth that has all of the greatest talent is in the graveyard mm. because some people die not doing what they wanted or what they love to do or what they, you know, or never finding that thing that they could smile about every single day. Right. And for me, te- that's what teaching is. Teaching gives me the 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 energy to say I made a difference today. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they hear me. Sometimes I'm frustrated at them. Sometimes I'm like, I need you to do what I'm asking you to do. Why didn't you do it? And, you know, just like you said, you'll right. get frustrated. 
you know, but at the end of the day, there's always this one thing that happens and you're like, this is why, this is why I teach. Yeah. And, and, and that's, you know, and, you know, and that's the interesting thing that I have learned to love mm-hmm. and I've learned to appreciate. It. And now I don't necessarily look at my students need to change. Mm-hmm. My students need to make any adjustments. I'm going to make the proper adjustment. And hopefully yeah. by me making the adjustments, they can see, they can see or here that you know what this guy does care for us you yeah. know he's not just here for the paycheck you know he is really here because he generally wants to see us succeed you know right. and some get it and some don't <laughs> that's true i guess i had a, a couple uh thoughts bouncing around in in my head about um teaching but i, I guess i wanted to ask you one, one of my um go-to questions and it might also help us get into your backstory a little bit because i was like I stopped kicking myself after the better part of 2020 when I couldn't find. And even I think a month ago, I was still looking back. I was like, maybe I can find it somewhere in the catalog where I, where I got this recording. But um, I'd love to ask you this question. Who do you say you are? Um, that is a real good question because I've, I've come to grips like, okay, it's on one hand, you don't want to use labels because sometimes labels labels can misinterpret uh, who you are. Mm-hmm. But I would like to say the label that I have like really embraced mm-hmm. that if I was a kid born in this time frame, like mm-hmm. we're talking about if I was born as a, as a millennial, let me put it that way. Right. I probably would have, or a teacher, teacher may have would have followed through and said, there's something we need to investigate about this kid learning behaviors. Mm-hmm. And I do believe I would be with a label of ADHD. <laughs> and some will say, why would you accept that? You know, don't accept labels. I, my mind, the way that my mind moves and works and the things that I do and the things that I've seen, just mm-hmm. me looking at myself, it's very easy for me to go off if you don't catch me, yeah. right? Well, that that's an attention disorder mm-hmm. that can be negative, mm-hmm. but I look at it as a positive thing because it now gives me a unique stamp mm-hmm. on how I learn. Mm-hmm. And if when I was going through my K-2 12 experience. If a teacher would have been able to harness that, mm-hmm. just like my history professor did, yeah. I would have been able to been a I would have been a better student because where we go wrong as my profession, my teaching mm-hmm. profession is based on the system that they we work they they work in, mm-hmm. we tend to teach from a one size fit all mentality. Yeah. And a one size fit all mentality is the worst mentality to to fit because everybody learns different. So if you really want to say learning disability or Mm -hmm. learning differences, Mm -hmm. we all have a learning difference. It's just finding that process that works for you. Mm -hmm. What works for me is seeing things in connection. Right. And so when my professor was able to make some connection in history, I literally grabbed held, I held tight onto that concept. Mm -hmm. And now I understand that history is a subject for ADHD students Mm. because history is not one thing. History is a multitude of things going on at the same time. Mm. Well and so my brain, my brain can see this, that in front of me, behind me, all at the same time. 
And then find that one thing and put those two eyes together and make that connection. Mm. So the roundabout way to answer your question, I am a thought leader who have learned to show people how to connect things to things you may not understand or or to things you may not have thought Mm. connected. I like that. So that's, that's who, that's who I am. (laughs) I like that. The, um, the thing that it, it was getting me to think of was that, um, and I hope I don't get you into trouble with this, but I just want, in having conversation and just communicating, I, I want to communicate openly and kind of get your thoughts on this because I know 2020 was a year, not only of like the pandemic or whatnot, it was also an election year. And with it, even I think before the election year, you had different, you've had different happenings in the school systems. And I'm sure you've probably seen it from, I don't know if it was like pre 2013, 2014, because I, I graduated 2013 and I've been out of the school system since. Right. And one thing that I saw, out of the West Coast in Washington. I think it was like Evergreen State College. And it was like an incident that happened and it really kind of blew up. And I found out about it through a podcaster, Joe Rogan, interviewing this professor and then him interviewing another psychology professor where it's like, you have a lot of this group thing happening where people are in some ways rewriting history or retelling history in a certain way. And it's like a lot of times people tell the bad parts or they tell part of the story. They only tell the good, but they don't tell you the whole story. So it's like, what's really going on here? And I'll point to something specific to where I don't make it too long of a tangent, but similarly, like you were saying, it's I'm trying to give enough context to it so where you can kind of pull from and make the connections as you need to based on your experience and what you've, you've studied in history. Um, one of the main things I had the question about is maybe if you've heard of the the 1619 project mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and what, what are your thoughts on that? Because initially I heard about it and I started to listen to it as it was kind of recorded in podcast form. I think it's like a six part series or maybe I got like halfway through. And then when I heard about the story in Evergreen and then I, I watched the documentary that they put onto it seeing like from 2015, they had this dean of students or president that kind of came in and he, his whole thing was was like, okay, yeah, I want to make everyone equal, inclusive. It's like all the words that sound buzzy and they sound mm-hmm. good, but then it's like you never see like the undercurrent and the underbelly that comes with that. And quickly what it became, it's like you have a lot of humanitarian studies that kind of came through masked as like scientific in a sense. Right. And like they don't do or they hadn't done the same thing that the sciences did. But essentially it's like they made claims to things and didn't have any way of backing them up. And then they had an incident in 2017 where this professor is basically being hunted throughout the college campus with students and baseball bats and everything like that because they're upset that he decided to show up on a day when they decided I he did wasn't see that allowed. Story. Yeah. Did you hear I about this or, or no? No, I did. I, I did watch that one where it was is with Brett Weinstein. supposed to be a day that everybody was supposed to. Yeah. 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 So like, <clears throat> I guess the context of it is supposed to be usually this college. It's that um, there is a play that they do where in this play, in this town, black people or people of color are usually they take a day of absence where they don't show up to work or they kind of like stay home. So then people start to see the town break down and a lot of services and things aren't being done. So then it's like, 
people found that mm-hmm. appreciation for them. They're like, oh, okay, like that's why so such and such person does this or such and per- person did that. And every year at this college, they would allow people of color in the same sense to say, hey, in order to observe this holiday or this tradition that we do, if you want to take a day off from school, you're more than welcome to. But then in 2017, somebody got the bright idea. I hope I'm interpreting this right. Somebody got the bright idea to say, okay, instead of allowing people of color not to come if they don't want to, we're obligating, they're making it a demand that all white people are basically not allowed on the campus. It's like an observation of this. And he responded back and he was like, that's racist. Like you can't exclude people from coming to the college. Like that completely goes against the values. And it's not just because it's white or another. It's like whatever it is when you discriminate against someone for the specific color, it's like that's racism. And when people got a hold of it, they got it to some of the students, they basically created a lynch mob to go confront him at his um, at his classroom while he's teaching. And the only way that they put the piece, the documentary together is because all the students that were in this mob, they're just recording it with social media because they were so proud of what they were doing. And you see not only them recording him, cornering him in the corner, you see them holding hostage the dean of students, the president, the professors. They're like, nope, you can't go to the bathroom. We're going to keep you here until this, that, and the other. And you see the ringleaders, even like they call the dean of student there. They're like, don't, don't use hand gestures. Don't do that. That's oppressive. That's a microaggression. That's this. And it's like, that was the extreme of the things that like I've heard bits and pieces. And I'm like, wow, like a lot's changed since I left school. What What's really going on over there? And like, next thing you know, they're trying to cancel the sciences. They're trying to get rid of this because they're like, okay, math is white privilege or that's white oppression or like don't use the master's tools or things of this sort. And it's like, I think we kind of miss the mark here. What's really going on? And I know a lot of people have gotten into trouble for like challenging it or going against it. He eventually left the campus, started doing a podcast with his wife because they both taught at the school and like trying to just provide people the information that they want and being able to do the work essentially and give people information without the boundaries or the hangups that different people are either fabricating or coming up with. I guess that's all I have on that, but I really wanted to get your take on it because I know like you study history and you don't just go surface level, but you go in and you really seek to explain and make the connections of all the different things that happen without being just very selective and talking about one without all the other things. Right. So one of the, <clears throat> one of the things, uh, Historically, 1619, the, the, the problem is when you say this is the first arrival of Africans. Mm-hmm. Okay. Historically, that's a problem. Right. Because when Columbus was coming, 1492, mm-hmm. in a book written by Ivan Van Sertima, they came before Columbus. Mm-hmm. There is a segment in there where <clears throat> Columbus and his men hear drums and mm-hmm. they say, what in the world is that? And then mm-hmm. they ship full of Africans, leaving leaving America mm-hmm. and going back to Africa. Yeah. Right. Um, if you go 1619 is the first moment Africans come to the, the, the Atlantic coast. Mm-hmm. You negate the huge colossal heads down in Mexico with Negro features. When you say Negro, um, mm-hmm. German scientists decided to make the, you know, these groups of Mongolian, you know, Caucasian right. and Negro. And so when you look at broad nose, thick lips, mm-hmm. facial features, those are specifically African features. Right. Right. Um, so say 1619 is this, you know, that that is the first, then you negate all of the other, um, you know, the other part of historical of uh, where, 
you know, you definitely can find stories. Because mm-hmm. um, how in the world did Columbus know to go west? Right. It wasn't happenstance. It wasn't luck of the draw. Or he's just like, yeah, you know what? We're going to just go here. No, <laughs> he, he heard stories right. of going westward. Mm-hmm. Right. And so so what, what I typically stay away from is 1619. 1619 is the moment that we begin to see uh, Africans come under an umbrella of servitude. Mm. Before that, people probably mingle, and we don't know historically how far back, because we got to always remember at one point, all land masses were together. Right. You can see that when, yeah, you can see that in the way that how they broke apart. You can see that it looks like South Africa, I mean, South America and Mm -hmm. Africa were connected. You can put those, I mean, like if you saw a puzzle, you could see. So it is the ice ages where the earth got warmer and, and water started, you know, pushing land masses further from each other and so mm-hmm. forth and so forth. So, um, you know, so, so, and then, so then going back to, you know, kind of what, you know, what you're talking about. One of the things that really this really that bothers me is sometimes as African-Americans, we want to eliminate all things that, you know, may be considered negative, mm-hmm. right? My point is, instead of eliminating everything that we consider negative, Mm -hmm. tell the truthful story of it. So you don't have to, you know, you don't have to. Now, I do agree with you should not have like the Confederate flag on state building Mm -hmm. because because everybody utilizes a state building. Right. Right. But like if you wanted to, you know, tear the like the the, the issue of tearing the statues down. Yeah. Yeah. Put them in a museum because what happened, what's what's going to happen? Here's what's going to happen. Uh hundred years from now, mm-hmm. people are going to believe that there was no racism in the world. Right. Why? Because everything has been erased. Yeah. As negative as it is, as and even Robert E. Lee said himself, no, don't build statues because what this war brought about is a whole lot of death. Yeah. It wasn't, this wasn't no valor victory. This was brothers, cousins fighting each other based on where did you sit on the political ladder, mm-hmm. you know? And so we, and, and I say we, African-Americans need to look back at history because I'm more impressed of what the African-American ancestors did in the face of real lynching. Now, you want to talk about some some real opposition? Mm-hmm. They were getting hung and lynched just because. But they didn't sit in their homes and say, I'm a victim and so now I'm not going to do. They still were working to do right. whatever they could. And I feel like our new, you know, just as we have moved in, we now want to, we haven't stopped saying, I'm a victim, Yeah. right? Does that mean racism does not exist? No, it does not. Nope. Racism does exist. And- does it mean I'm saying, go ahead. No, I was just going to say to forget that it does or to want to erase it. Like I can understand certain people's sentiment to want to erase it, but it's like, it's like you're, you're kind of doing a disservice to all the history. It's like by not erasing it, it's not like you are embracing it or encouraging it. You're just simply stating like, no, that's a thing there. And a lot of it may be, or a good part of it may be stem from ignorance. Like for people that don't know, if you don't know something about another group, like people go with the negative and it's like, they start to categorize. They say all black people are a certain way, all white people 
people are a certain way. All Hispanics are a certain way. And it's like, every time I hear that, I make sure to speak up for myself. Or if I disagree, I just say, most of the time I, I disagree. And I just say no, because growing up here in North Georgia, I was like, people would always talk negatively about Hispanics. And it's like, yeah, there's a big Hispanic population, but like all human beings are not the same. So you can't just continue to place people in groups because it's convenient. Like if you work around a bunch of people, that's just terrible. Yeah, I could see where you'd make a, that generalization, but that may have more to do with the quality of people you're around and the environment that produces that where everybody's cutthroat, everybody's just crappy. It's like maybe change where you are at, like get around somebody like we have the internet now, look for something better than what you see. And then maybe that will allow you to shift your perspective. But wanting to wanting your entire environment to change or just calling it one thing because that's all you see, I, I think that really does a disservice to the whole world to think that everything is supposed to revolve around me. Like it was thought before everything revolves around the earth, but it's like, no, we revolve around others, other planets, other things. Yeah. 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 So no, yeah, and so yeah, and so the, the most important thing is, um, like, for the reason why I do what I do is because I do it for my ancestors. I do it, so I don't make an excuse of why I can't get into to the highest level of education that mm -hmm. I can that I can get to. Yeah, and I don't make that excuse of you know, oh, you know, when I was in school, you know, they didn't teach me my history or they didn't do such and such or um or someone is standing in my way no there is not a single person that can stand in my way right now mm -hmm. that can tell me i cannot read a book yeah. that can tell me i cannot go and research that can that can tell me i cannot do this i cannot do that and mm -hmm. so for me everything that i do is for my the the people who didn't have that because there were groups yeah. of my ancestral group that definitely were you could not read, you could not write. But again, I go back to like when reconstruction happened, like I, when I teach reconstruction, mm -hmm. I almost get goosebumps because I look at here is a group of people mm -hmm. who are, I mean, just removed from slavery. And yeah. it was over 200 years of enslavement. And the first thing when the government said, what can we do? Mm -hmm. They said three things, education, economic, mm -hmm. and we want a political voice. Yeah. That's phenomenal to me of these people who knew that this is going to benefit my community if I can get these three things. Right. And that's what, that's what hurt, that's what killed the poor whites in the South. Mm -hmm. Because what they saw was, yeah. oh, they getting all of this stuff and they just got out of slavery. Why do they deserve it? Right. It's because poor whites didn't ask for those things because they were told you got the magic bean. Mm -hmm. You already have Jack and the Beanstalk. You already got access to Jack and the Beanstalk. Right. And they believed that story. Mm -hmm. They believed in this giant that they ain't never seen before. And that's why they have always struggled. And so what you saw in January 6th, mm -hmm. you saw the descendants of those in the South that has not that has not been able to let go mm -hmm. of you didn't take you didn't take the opportunities mm -hmm. that was vetted to you based on your skin color. Mm -hmm. So poor whites and poor blacks, and this is why like a lot of people gotta truly begin to truly understand. Like mm -hmm. when you look at uh, the movie that just came out um this year, um Fred Hampton from the Black Panther, mm -hmm. he went and talked to the Appalachian people. Mm -hmm. He made a holistic coalition. He had white folks, Hispanics, and blacks. 
And he said, we all fighting for the same thing, y'all. Mm-hmm. And Appalachian whites were like, yep, you're right. And they were down with the Black Panther movement. Yeah. But what did, but what, but what happened? Assassination. Because get a little too close yeah. to, to the power source. When you get too close to the power source, things have to change. Martin Luther King, mm-hmm. Malcolm X, yeah. John, John, John F. Kennedy. Mm-hmm. You, you see what I'm saying? So it, right. it, 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 Bobby Kennedy. Right. You get too close to the power source. And we can call it because, you know, and I, and I used to be I used to be, and I ain't gonna lie, back in the 90s, I was a conspiracy theorist, and I don't really roll with conspiracy theorists because the problem with conspiracy theories is you go down one rabbit hole, next thing you know, you're down another and another and another. But however, however, you can start again to you can start to look at things and say, well, why? Why did that happen? Mm What did Fred Ham? What did Fred Hampton do? Because it was three o'clock in the morning when they assassinated him and his wife, who were having his baby. Mm-hmm. So they did a uh, what you would call a full fledged, um, like almost like a firing uh, squad. Oh wow! Yeah. So what what were they doing? What was he doing that was so bad? Well, he was he was beginning to tell all people that we all are fighting for or we all are getting played by the same thing and here's what we're getting played by which is why they at the end people don't pay attention martin luther king was about to do a poor man's campaign Mm. and a poor man's campaign was going to be white black whoever because it was the people who who typically carries the load of american success but they don't get to they don't get to benefit from those success because it always goes to the small few, right. you know? So yeah. that's why, that's why I don't teach, you know, and I learned, you know, and, and again, I'm, I'm a proud, uh, I'm a proud to be an African-American. I'm proud. And I think, man, African-Americans have really made a great amount of historical relevance mm-hmm. as it relates to American history. You can't talk American history without speaking about the things that African-Americans have been able to do yeah. And and the thing is, they did all of these things in the midst of opposition. Right. So that within itself. So, but I don't want to be. I don't want to have a mentality though of a victim of, oh, this is what you know because of that. This is why I can't. No. Right. You can. You you can. You can move. You can maneuver. You can do. Right. Will you will you get met with opposition? Of course, it, it yeah. comes. It's, it's as a as a as a golf turn. It's par for the course, you <laughs> know. And so, um, what what are we going to do? You know, um, you know. I like I look at you know nowadays when I talk to my students of little of African American history they know. Mm-hmm. But here's what we will say: Well, right. they didn't teach us that. So here's here is my here is my uh, uh, opposing view on that. Right. If a person was in power and they want to stay in power. Mm. Why would they give you good things about yourself? Right. That doesn't make any sense. Right. But here's what we do have. You can pull up your laptop. Yeah. You can look up uh, uh, ancient Egyptians, comedic mm. people. You can right. look up Kushites. You can look at the uh, uh, the Ethiopians and how they have been uh, a country that has tried to been invaded for so many times. And they have, you know, people who have not been able to invade it fully. Right. Mm. Um, right. You do have the stories of West Africa, uh, Mali, Ghana, Shanghai. You do have stories of Algeria, Tunisia, uh, and all of those, North Africa, where Lord Tariq goes to Spain and Mm. brings, you know, the Moors and all of that. So we have stories, and we have stories of 
when they say Herodotus is the father of history and mm-hmm. he write about the wonderful Ethiopians. Yeah. And you hear about Alexander going down and everybody's going to Egypt, blowing off the noses, doing these different things, burning down the library, doing all of Why would you do that if that's not important information? Right. So we have it and you can get to it. Now it's going to, but what's going to happen is you got to do a little, you got to get, got to get your elbows a little greasy. Right, and that's right. what we, that's where we lack. We lack the grief, getting our elbows greasy. And, and I, you know, I, I mean, that's what your, I try to do. I try to bring that. Right. And I, I think that's why I appreciate, I appreciate what you're doing. And also I, in learning how to change my language and what I say based on what I want. It's not, it's like, I guess some people would say, oh, that's naive, that's altruistic, that's um, looking at, what's the word, optimist. Like, mm-hmm. I was like, okay, what would you rather have? Would you rather be optimist or would you rather be like, woe's me, dreadful? Is like, what brings you a difference? Okay, so you you acknowledge that you're depressed or you acknowledge that you don't have, like, did that bring you anything? Okay, so right. somebody's going to give you charity. So like, how long is that going to feed you? You're going to wait on them every time? Like, you're going to wait on somebody's approval every time? And for me, I guess I have the caveat of like, I'm not born in America, but I'm right. African-American born. Like I was born in Africa, right. immigrated to the States. Right. And I didn't learn African history earlier on, but what I have learned and what I'm learning just even reading Dennis Kimbrough's book, it's like, this is my African-American history 101, just from reading the quote, that's like, oh, this person, like, I've never heard of that person before. So it's like, I started looking them up just to get a picture. And like, obviously a picture comes from a website. I can read the website and I can say, okay, this gentleman, this woman, this person is this. Obviously it tells me, okay, this was a songwriter. This was a PhD. This was a doctor. This was this, this was that. It's like, there's so much more there, but I refuse to accept or to tell anyone that you don't have. No, it's you have what you have based on what you want. And even relearning the assessment as we known it in the past, it's like, okay, for so long, like when it was first introduced to me, I looked at the how. This is how you mm-hmm. show up in the world. This is how you behave. It's like, okay, your how is based on your why. Like you behave mm-hmm. a certain way for a certain reason. And the why comes from the what. You have to know if you know what you want or what it is that you do naturally, that tells you, okay, because I do this, I want to do this for this reason. And being a human being, being someone that's free will, like that always changes. Like never let somebody put you in a box to say, oh, we always, it's like anytime somebody says we in conversation, I just kind of argue the point. I'm like, who's we? Like, who are you talking about? Me and you? Are you talking about all people? Like, do you know every single person on this planet that you've met all right. eight billion of them? Like, how do you know that? Okay, you had this experience. So like, let's look at something different. If we jump on Google, it's like, look, okay, here's Eric Thomas, a PhD. He wasn't always a PhD, but it's like, here's a successful Black American, Black African American. It's like, don't mm-hmm. tell me that there are no successful there's no one good. It's like, yeah, it wasn't always that. But like, as people are in their process, like success is subjective to every person. But again, back to the Augmentino thing, it's like the first scroll talks about is not there necessarily to help you achieve success, but to avoid failure. And it's like, everyone knows what failure is, is doing, not doing what you set out to do. Like simply put, like anybody can identify with that, but 
Success could be monetary, could be family, could be spiritual, could be health, could be whatever it is you put your mind on. But it's like, yeah, I, I appreciate what you what you do and what how you said that. But every time I hear someone just say like we or I'm like, ah, let's, let's pump the brakes because I was like, at least. I was like, in a we statement, I'm like, I feel like I'm included in there. So I'm just going to dip my toe out and just be like, here's where I draw the line. I, I embrace I embrace the person that I'm speaking with. But I'm like, if we're going to speak as a collective, let's try and establish the standards or what it is that we're talking about so that we have a, a firm foundation to say like, okay, did we consider all our options or are we just going off of limited in- information that's been provided to us, but we haven't taken the time to dive into? Right. And that's one of the that's one of the the major uh, missteps that we have, right? Because I can look at you and say, "Oh, you're African American, right? Right? <laughs> right? Like African American from the standpoint of you were born here in America, you black, like right, right? Don't tell me you ain't black, but then you would say." Well, no, my experience is I'm from Africa yeah. and I came to America. And when I came to America, I was even looked at very differently right. in, in the spaces I was in. And I couldn't say I'm the African, have the African-American experience that you're talking about because right. I haven't. Right. And so now it's like, because we want to put everybody in the same box. We right. want to put every we want to we want everybody to wear the same suit uh, shoe size. Everybody doesn't wear the same shoe size. Yep. Shaq wears a twenty two or twenty four. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, right. th- but there's a reason why we have different sizes of shirts and pants and you know everything that we have is because no one person is fit the same way, right? Yep. And so the what is so interesting to me is the whitewashing of education that we think everybody else is getting mm-hmm. is the same education we got. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> so you will look at a and you will say the words, oh, that's a third world country. Oh, they're not getting great education. Right. Well, you got an education or had an opportunity to be ed- educated. And you're not. <laughs> nope. And they probably know more than you you're because not. they're studying you and they're studying them themselves to get out of where they're from. You see what I'm saying? And so I I, I laugh because it's just like because here because here's the the here's where why I am where I am today. Mm-hmm. When I was 17, I, this is literally what happened. And mm-hmm. this is the and this is to go into the story of my backstory of me. Yeah. At 17, I felt like I didn't know what African American meant. I know what it looked like because mm-hmm. you gave me the description. Right. I know I fit in that because I know I'm not part of the what we would call the white community. Right. So I know I'm different. Yeah. I know I'm not Hispanic because I don't speak Spanish or I, I, that's not my language. My language is the English language that was brought from England. Right. 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 And so for me, and this is why I think the uniqueness of how I grew up, grew up in Germany. Mm-hmm. I grew up as a military kid. We didn't really get to see racism, really. Mm-hmm. We know it was there, but we yeah. didn't really see it. Like, right. it, wasn't, it wasn't like walking down the street. Hey, N-word! <laughs> we, didn't, we didn't get that, right. okay, from, from, from a white individual. Because typically, white, black, Hispanic, if you're a part of the American military force, mm-hmm. y'all all the same in Germany because... You in you in another country, right? Right. So I just never felt like the educational system valued differences. Mm. 
And so at 17, when I asked the question, I don't even really know what African-American means. This is the beauty of process. Mm -hmm. My first understanding and being proud to be African-American was on a historically black college and university Mm -hmm. where that's all I saw. Like the majority of the people look just like me. You had your ghetto fabulous folks, folks that are doing their thing. Mm -hmm. But I I got a glimpse at that moment that there were some black folks that were trying to be doctors, nurse, teachers, engineers, architects, mm-hmm. and whatever variety of degrees was on the campus of Prairie View, a- excuse mm-hmm. me, Prairie View A&M. I was able to see everybody going for something. Mm-hmm. So it gave me a sense of pride of, okay, now we're not lazy or we're not all this one way or that one way, right? right. And then I ran into some some guys who I, I really I really attribute them really just being around them, like you said, change your environment. Yeah. Because those guys were so smart and intellectual, I didn't want to sound like the dumbest person in the, in a circle. Mm. So I began to read a little bit, not a lot, but mm. a little bit. Right. And I began to study some stuff and I began to, you know, really find things, you know, that I never heard before. And then from there, it led me to do start doing more research and more research. And then I ran into my good friend still today mm. um, in Huntsville. He had at one point, he had the only African-American bookstore and he knew history. Hand, I mean, he just was, I mean, he knew history. And I would just go and talk with him. Him and I would talk Mm. for hours. Like I would literally spend six hours of my time sitting down with him talking. And he would share videotapes with me and this historian and this historian and this historian and this historian. And what really hit me, it it really gave, it really started telling me, hold your head up. Mm. You are somebody and you're a part of a group Mm. that is somebody as well. Mm. History will say you were this, Mm. but that's not the true history or that's only part of it. Right. And so it's, 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 it is those things that for me, that made me want to know more Mm. and more and more and more. And then I got to the point because you go through phases. So you go through a phase of your life where you hate anyone outside of your group. Mm. Because for the longest, you've had this, you had, you've been walking around with no information about your historical presence Mm. in anything. And so you get angry at the people and you're like, well, why didn't y'all give it to us? Mm. Then you get past the anger part because harnessing anger in your body only causes damage to your body. It doesn't yep. cause damage to anybody else. Yep. And so then you begin to say, you know what? They don't know either because they're getting the same story that I got. Yep. So it really began to put into me when I would meet people, I would challenge them and challenge them historically. Mm-hmm. No, 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 that's not how it went. Let me yeah. tell you, let me tell you some 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 other viewpoint. Mm-hmm. And then you can make your decision which one you want to go with. If you want to keep going with the one you got, that's okay. Right. That's fine. I, I can't tell you which one to go to. But however, you can't negate this other perspective, right? Mm-hmm. And so I've learned over time, I'm going to make people mad no matter who they are. I'm going to make black folks mad because at some point I'm going to have to challenge them um, because some of the information that comes out of some folks' mouth sometimes is completely wrong. And I am not into allowing anybody, if you're wrong and historically I know you're wrong, Mm -hmm. I'm going to correct Right. Only because we got to stop telling history from an incorrect viewpoint. Right. So we can talk about Columbus and we can talk about he did open up European exploration. Mm -hmm. But then we also can talk about his behavior, Mm -hmm. how he sick dogs on the native people, 
how he, you know, did certain things. And it's in his own journal. Yeah. And his the minister that was with them, Bartholomew Lacasse, mm-hmm. wrote the same thing. Yeah. So what I've learned to do is I don't tell you what Merle thinks. I right. tell you the facts. Right. Because what you will not do mm-hmm. is dispute facts. Right. Now you can dispute how did the who who wrote the facts because yeah, who gets to tell the narrative most part is the victim. They right. get to write the narrative of history in their viewpoint. Right. But it's still not wrong though. Mm-hmm. It's still not wrong. Right. They just didn't add in the other parts. That's right. all. I'm, I'm over so here laughing. So I come in. So my job is, yeah. No, I was just thinking I'm over here laughing to myself because I was thinking of present day and I had two examples pop to mind with popular culture. And I was like, let me hold off until later because that might not be appropriate to interject with that. <laughs> so, I, yeah, so go ahead. No, go, you go ahead. Okay. So I was going to say, because I bring in, I'm going to show you the whole thing, mm-hmm. the good, the bad, and the ugly. Right. And I'm not going to dictate which one you need to agree with. Right. You don't have to agree with me. I always tell my students, you do not have to agree with me. But what I am going to tell you to do is do your research. Mm-hmm. And when you do your research, you will see, I am not, I don't make up the stuff that I'm talking to you about. Right. I'm not making that up. I see it from different viewpoints. Mm -hmm. And as a historian, my job is not to satisfy one group or the other. And I'm not going to. And and I will not apologize for that because because I'm going to tell history in the way history should be told. And I think that's what my professor was really trying to tell me back when he told me, have I ever thought about being a historian? Because he must have seen that I was willing to write as truthful as I can mm. about what I understand. Right. You're telling the whole story, not just his story. Yeah. I, I, I don't tell, you know, and I don't just tell, you know, because I'm African-American. I'm not going to always tell the African-American version because there's the Afrocentric concept, yeah. you know, and I read a lot of the Afrocentric and I agree with some of the definitely with a lot of the Afrocentric thought patterns. But. As a historian, I can't be all. I can't. I can't go one versus the other. I just got to lay everything out. Yeah, that's that's how I see history. Right. I right. got to lay everything out. Gotcha. Yeah, it's funny. I was talking with one of my coworkers, and he's he's African American, and I think maybe last weekend or the weekend before. He, he made a statement and I was kind of just like, huh? He's like, you didn't really grow up like a regular black kid, did you? Listening to music. And I was like, no, that, I didn't because like I, I really didn't get introduced to music like outside of gospel music up until college or like end of high school. And I was like, that's just not what I was exposed to. Like grew up as a preacher's kid, still a preacher's kid. And it's like, there's some things about that I'm learning to appreciate more so now. And then like having that kind of Jonah syndrome where it's like, you don't want to follow your your dad's foot footsteps necessarily like going into ministry like that was one of the things where i was just like right. oh, i want nothing to do with that but thinking right. thinking back to my childhood and and having my nickname be teacher growing up like i would always be called teacher uh-huh. and like my dad jokes about it from time to time when we talk it's like oh you're, you're teaching and i was like you know i've always had an appreciation for teachers because i'm like they're giving information that i've never had before and they're willingly sharing it with you if you're willing to sit down and listen like for the information that you want like you can learn anything like just sit down and listen like you 
you'll learn what you need to learn. But um, the so I guess even in, in doing this, like I'm I'm learning and and being able to share my experience. It's like I'm learning to teach in a way. And even as it goes further into consulting and being able to do that in the future, I was like, wow, to think that going through engineering school, going through and working as an engineer and learning the the ropes there and being that it's like okay, like as I'm doing this current job at Home Depot, I'm actually becoming more comfortable with myself again to a different level. It's like, okay, it was one thing being highly educated, having these sets of skills putting them to the use, having to draw on different skills, you kind of forgot you had his talents. And now it's like, <laughs> I remember when I told one of my first or second supervisors that from working here in town, I was like, oh yeah, I'm working at the Home Depot because like he ratted off this list of things. He was like, oh, he went to Georgia Tech. He's uh, this pastor's son and he did this. He's worked all over. And then I tell him, oh, I'm working at Home Depot. You just see like the change in his face. And I was like, as I'm becoming more comfortable with who I am and where I am, I'm not concerned with what somebody else thinks I should be doing or what title they think I should hold. Like through and through, I was Asher before I was the engineer. I was Asher before I was everything else. And it's like, I'm still that because when you put a podcast together, that's engineering in its sense. Like there's a lot of stuff that goes on in the background. Initially, you might think, oh, it's just two people talking, but it's like, they have to be in agreement. There has to be a cadence. There has to be a relationship there. There has to be a a give and take. And that's what you do when you build something. Whenever you're doing analysis, you're problem solving. It's like you and the paper, but it's like, when you're interacting with humans, now you've got to take the skills you learned in the classroom and see if what you worked really worked because, okay, you're following these plans. I did this for about the last four years where you're working to a plan and it's basically trial and error. As soon as the plan, they drew it up, they designed it, it falls apart or, or somebody can't fit in there to physically do this. It's like, hey, we got a problem and we've got to come up with a fix on the spot. So if they're not willing to hear us, if you're not willing to hear the person that's on the other end, it's like, okay, your degree, your knowledge and all of what you think whenever you're just sitting behind a computer means absolutely nothing if you're, ne- if you're not willing to step away from that and be like, okay, like all the knowledge and information I have, it now has to interact with the world. Like it's either going to work or it's not going to work. And as much as you may get, like you get the education, you apply it, you trust it, you try it. If it doesn't work, it just doesn't work. Like some things you can control and then there's a whole lot of things you can't, but you've got to step up and just keep it moving. Yeah, I bet that the number one thing that you just said um, is we have to learn how to problem solve. And one thing I know about engineers, that's one of my best friends, he is an engineer. And we talk about problem solving all the time. Like he explained to me, you should like he would say, no, I'm not afraid of a computer because a man made the computer. Mm -hmm. So he said, my job is to figure out what was that man thinking when he was putting together the computer. Right. And so he goes through that process. Now, he, he's not, he don't know specifically what the man is, but he thinks about, OK, a man would think in this way. Right. Right. And right. so. Everything we do in life is about solving a problem, mm-hmm. which is why I think educational system needs revamping. Right? Yeah. Because what, what we have taught kids to do is memorize. Yeah. Kids can kids are great memorizers, right? They can memorize all what because all you got to do is tell them 
keep right. saying it over and over right. and over and you just keep, every you time you, you know just through you repetition know. whether you want to memorize it or not you're going to memorize it right you know and so where i think like like if i was a math teacher mm-hmm. right i would spend time on the concept right mm-hmm. I'll spend some time on the concept yeah but where i would spend bulk of my time is giving them word problems mm. not not pages fully uh solve this solve these right. answers and then you know you go you go right. to the back of the book and you look at all of the odd numbers yeah. and you see how they solve it <laughs> and then you try to figure out how to solve it right right no don't know you give them a word problem because what does a word problem what what will you have to do with a word problem There's several things you got to do with a word problem number one mm-hmm. you got to read to comprehend mm-hmm. number two you're gonna have to use some critical thinking skills yeah number three you have to know the equation in order to solve the problem. Right. So I, I, if I teach you the equation and then I'm going to give you all of these word problems that a lot of people don't do word problems because everybody's like, oh, I can't stand why, what words and have to yeah. do with math. It has everything to do with solve problem, sol- solving problems. Yeah. To solve a problem is a word problem. It's a word problem. Mm-hmm. To know what to put out when people first come into Home Depot is a word problem. Yeah. <laughs> because decide, we know people shop by their eyes. Mm-hmm. And so we know that a certain thing has to be in the front to catch them, to get them to go to whatever aisle we want them to go to. Right. That's what all that stuff is. That's mm-hmm. why they put the mannequins in the front with right. the clothes on. Because you're like, oh, that's a nice outfit. And yeah. then you go like, yeah, let me go see if I can find those pants. And you may want that shirt or you may find another shirt. Yeah. But the goal is to get you past. <laughs> I'm just looking. Right. Right. <laughs> and those are tearing you up over and there with those allergies. Yeah, oh, man, it's killing me, man. Um, but um, but problem solving is the number one key right. to everything. And that's the thing that I try to get my students to learn as it relates to history. That's you're cute. gonna try to solve a problem. Yeah. And the problem you're gonna try to solve is how do you make a better future for you mm. and for your children if you have children, for your family. How right. do y'all do that? Mm. Well, we got to go back and look at some decisions that were made in the past right. that is affecting us today right. and not make those same decisions, mm. right? You know, just like just like what Georgia just did, right? Georgia what Georgia saw with the power of voting mm. and now they just passed. They passed laws to make it harder for mail-in voters. Mm. You can't give water or food to people standing in long lines anymore. That's a felony. Mm. Oh, wow. Um, so, yeah. So what happened is... And it's always interesting to me. Yeah. One of the first lessons you learn in kindergarten is don't cheat, mm. right? They tell you cheating is not good. Yeah. If you cheat, you know, you, you, it's unfair. It's all of these things. Right. But the way a lot of people have won, because they cheated. True. They say if you, if you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. So, <laughs> so, so here is a concept that everybody else is le- that everybody's learning, mm. but the people who get to tell us what we can and cannot do mm. does the opposite of that. Right. Does the opposite of that. Uh, uh, give me a second, man. Let me get some right. tissue real quick. All right. My nose is running. Oh, it's it's seven now. <laughs> it's what? Seven p.m. Oh, I know. So, oh, so, oh, right. We started at five thirty, didn't we? Yeah. <laughs> It's all good. Yeah, no. But I mean, we, <laughs> yeah, we can wrap up. I mean, it's been, I feel like it's been two years or close to two years since I talked to you last. I think yeah. we, we talked then and didn't, hadn't really had a chance to, to catch up since then. Right. And I will say, I mean, I can, I can see the difference in you though, Ash. I really see a big difference, uh, you know, within, you know, uh, when I first met you, you seem like you just didn't have confidence in yourself. Nope. <laughs> you know, it just, 
I, I mean, was, you could just hear I was it in, in transition. Your voice. Yeah, yeah, you could just hear it in your voice, and you could just hear it, you know, and it's and it's you know, and it, and, and you know, and it, it takes us again, you know. Here I am, you know, I'm 47, about to be 48, and I feel like, oh, excuse me, hey, thank you. Um, I feel like I'm now getting, you know, really where I really wanted to be. And it's been a long process, you know, and it, and right. I still have a part of me that uh, doubts and doesn't think that I deserve, you know, that people are because of their status. You know, I still think about those things, mm-hmm. but I'm 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 leaning more and not really caring about what other people have it's because they got what they they got what they did, you know, mm-hmm. for their life, you know, and so forth. And I'm where I need to be, you know, and, um, you know, and, and so, you know, just, just looking back, you know, and, and I spent so, so long in, as a victim, I, so I, so when I hear people victimize, Mm -hmm. you know, I understand because I played the victim for a long time. Oh yeah. I don't write well because I didn't have good English teachers and it's their fault. Mm -hmm. Well, if you write more uh man it's bad today if you write more Mm -hmm. you'll get better in writing right Right. because you'll start learning oh yeah that doesn't make any sense Mm -hmm. oh yeah yeah you know what that i I, you know and so forth and so i i spent so long blaming what everybody else had done to me versus really just focus on you know what yeah i may not be the greatest writer i may not be uh dan brown or you know Mm -hmm. uh bless you um, I may not be any of those writers, but guess what? All of those writers, they have editors too. Right. So I'm quite sure their editors sometimes look at their work and like, what in the world did they, what, what are you talking about? Right. Right. But an editor's job is to look at it, change it in mode. So I finally got into that mode. And then I said, you know, like I'm reading, um, oh, my book is over there. Like I'm reading a book now called um, How to Teach Students to Learn. Mm. Because students don't know how to learn, really, truthfully. Right. I, and, and right. That's not a knock on students. It's it's because the way, you know, the K-12 education is set up. Yeah. You just kind of shuffle and, them through the process. Right. And you don't really teach them how to learn. They don't really have a really a concept of really learning. Yeah. Right? Because learning is not, can you um, regurgitate everything I say to you? Yeah. Learning is, can you take A and B and see if they connect? If they do, they do. If they don't, they don't. Right. You know, kind of like what you were saying, yeah. you know, and that's the beauty. That's the beauty of, of to me now, mm-hmm. that's the beauty of failure. Mm. Oh, excuse me. The beauty of failure is, thank you. The beauty of failure is not that you fail. Mm. It's just giving you tips on you can't do it that way. Right. Ah. So don't say bless you no more. <laughs> we bless you. Bless me for the rest of the right. day. I got you. Let's go keep on going. Yeah. Um, we'll, we'll wrap up soon so, so that you, you can so I, get some Zeratech or something. Yeah. That, yeah. That's what. Not not doing a plug for them, but I had to get some earlier or last month because I'd forgotten about um, like hives that I developed back in high school. And I I took it and I kind of weaned myself off of it. And then one day I got back. And it's like this weird rash was coming on. I was like rushed to the, the primary care and the doctor started asking some questions. And she was like, 
have you ever had this, this or this? And I was like, huh, now that you mention it, I remember back sophomore year high school. I don't know what caused it, but this. And it's like, okay, well, I want you to take some some of that. Take the steroid cream, take this um, moisturizer to make sure that your skin is as it needs to be and make sure you're you're hydrating your skin. I was like, okay, you got it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And mine, my, and you know, mine is definitely when seasons are about to change and, you know, we're going out of yeah. winter and getting into spring. and Especially you're, you're here now. Alabama, right next to Georgia. Height. You got you got all this pollen. No, I'm just in Delaware now. Out. Oh, you're in Delaware. Well, I'm in Delaware now. Okay. now. I'm back home gotcha. now. I'm back okay. home now. But but you know, Delaware is now blooming too because Delaware oh, okay. was cold. Right, right. And now Delaware is opening itself up. So mm-hmm. I'm getting a double dose of it. Mm. I got the Alabama. Right. Um, and now I have the Delaware. But you know, mm. but yeah, so. Yeah, I'm just learning, man, that, um, and it's not easy. It's definitely, nobody wants to fail. Like, I mean, who, right. I mean, like, I don't wake up like, hey, I just really want to fail today. <laughs> but I, I, but I do have to say that um, if I'm not failing, then am I learning? Really, right. You know, and so failing lends itself to, you have to go back to the drawing board. And and I do that as, as a teacher. Like, yeah. I'm already thinking about, I'm about to revamp all of my classes for the fall, mm. right? And most people were like, oh, man, don't, you know, just teach, keep teaching the same way you teach. And, right. you know, if they get it, they get it. They don't, they don't. No, yeah. for me, I can't do that because That's not I'm now understanding that. And I now understand they really don't know how to learn. Mm. They really haven't been asked. It's like asking someone, yeah. have you ever asked the question? And this is the hardest question that a human can ask themselves. Mm. Who am I? Who am I? Yeah. And I used to do this in my class. And I was, and I'll say, okay, if I ask you the question, who am I? What's the first thing you're going to say? Um, Judy Blue? I said, I said, that's a name. I didn't ask you your name. I said, who are you? Mm-hmm. I'm Judy Blue. I said, okay. I said, well, let's go with that answer real quick. Did you choose that name? Mm-hmm. No. I said, well, who gave you that name? My mother gave me that. Oh, okay. So you're telling me you're Judy Blue, but someone else gave you the name. Mm-hmm. So who are you? And then when you start to ask that question, it, it's a more deep, intimate uh, answer. It's uh, I'm a, a person that can accept I don't know everything that I'm going to fail. Uh, my students may come to my class and I may say some wrong information and they may correct me. Can I accept that? Can I accept, you know, uh, that, um, you know, that I have to always work to better myself because I'm never there. Mm. You're never, if you say you're there, then, then really it's time to retire then because right. you, you've gotten to where there is, but yeah. there is no there. It's always, you're going to consistently change and learn and, you, you know, mold and shape and move. And so what has been so interesting to me is how God has been able to do that for me and how God has been able to um, bring certain people in my life to open my eyes up to certain things, mm-hmm. you know, like for one of the greatest, um, I believe advice I've ever gotten is from uh, uh, Double P. Yeah. And Double P <laughs> told me, hey, won't you read, you should read the Bible like you read history books. Mm-hmm. Asher, that changed my life. I now not only know the stories, I, I know the principles, I know, I know part of, even though I keep, even though you can go back and read it and find something new in yeah. those stories, but I was able to understand the Bible in a way I've never had been able to understand mm. because I took the way that I learned right. and read the Bible in that same manner. Right. And so, you know, um, and I'm working on, I'm working on a piece now, uh, utilizing the developmental of my life through looking at the developmental of Gideon, Elijah, Jeremiah, and David. Mm. And I believe all four of those characters that have been given to me, yeah. 
all have different developmental stages. You will be at one point, you will be a Gideon. Mm -hmm. Another point, you will be an Elijah. Mm -hmm. Another point, you will be a Jeremiah. And another point, you will be a David. Mm -hmm. And so I'm looking at those stories and I'm reading those stories and seeing the 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 process right. and how they were even developed. Mm -hmm. And I'm starting to see the patterns between all of them yeah. kind of is the same. You know, it's like, number one, you don't believe in yourself. Mm -hmm. Number two, you go to straight, like in, in a form of doubt mm. and then or unbelief. Yeah. And then you go into this next stage. Yeah. And you can see it in all three. Yeah. Uh, David, right? David, no, David was not the, when they came, the father put all his sons up in front of everybody. Right. David out in the field somewhere. Right. And, the, and, and you know, and, the, and they came to him and said, ah, you don't have anybody else? Mm -hmm. And then they said, what about him? And he's like, him? He's the least of. Mm -hmm. But when David finally got his, what he was supposed to do mm -hmm. was the battle against Goliath. Mm -hmm. Nobody else was able to step up. Right. I got five rocks and I'm about to do this. So even, but, but even David had a moment of doubt when Saul was looking for him. He was mm -hmm. hiding. David hid. Right. That was the form of doubt, mm. form of doubt. So anyway. That's good. So, are so you going to, I, uh -huh. I was just going to say in, in looking through these, are you just looking through it yourself personally? Or are you going to present on this at some point? I, I, I'm, I'm going to present on them at some point as okay. a series. And you're going to record it? I'm going to record it. I'm going to have a workbook to go with it. Nice. I want it to be almost like a class. I like it. Yeah. Because whenever you started mentioning them, um, a professor I started to follow, like I was saying, from the the happenings of like 2018 and or I think maybe 2016, but I found out about him 2018, 2019, um, was Jordan B. Peterson, a Canadian psychologist. Um, mm. And I, I watched like all his videos with Joe Rogan where they were doing like three hour long podcasts. And just the thing he kept hitting on was just a, the individualistic approach to where it's like you have to take personal responsibility for yourself. And it's very important to where you don't get just looped into a group because you can lose yourself and lose your way. And something that he did to really educate himself was that he went and in order to figure out why is, is the Bible so important, he did a biblical series on the Bible and maybe did like different chapters starting from Genesis and just working through the book of Genesis, going through each story and talking about the Bible as he understood it from his study, what he read bring in the different artwork and things like that from a psychological perspective, explaining that like it's not as much as people just look at it and just some people just are so quick to throw it away. It's like this is something that was created over thousands of years by several people to do that. And it's like you don't just create a story that fits this well. And over this period of time, unless there's something that's like really holds it at the center yeah. and it's yeah. like too many people have become so arrogant, especially with our intellect, where we believe, oh, it's just like this or it's not that. And it's like, you're going to miss so much if you don't consider that one, you don't know as much as you think you know. And then two, like there's so much more there than what you you yourself might see. So like him going through it, it's like almost going to the extent of what he knows or what he's found out and um, not allowing, like if he doesn't know, it's like a three hour lecture each night 
night where they met in an auditorium and everything. And it's like, once he gets to the end of it, he takes some questions. And then if he didn't know, it's just like, I don't know that yet, but like, let me, I don't know, maybe we'll, we'll highlight it later on from what he's planned out. And I was like, man, seeing that from him doing it back in 2018 before his first book came out and things like that are really what's restructuring the educational system because it's like, if the people that are in control of it now, more or less, more than likely, they're not going to change it in the way that it needs to be changed. So it's left up to you and others, possibly like myself, to, to continue to create the information and the content that people need. And however it is, there are going to be new systems that come into place in order to help people attain that. And hey, if the educational system needs to be like the next blockbuster, then it's got to go. Yeah. So there's a lot that you just said. Uh, and I want to pin one part. And this is why this is why I love how I grew up. My father listened to music like like no other. Uh, I mean, I mean, literally, my dad was a music junkie. He listened mm -hmm. to jazz, country R&B. He listened to every and he would buy records and he would always play music around us. And what makes me so different is I my mantra is I am so to really. So you asked that question and I really didn't really, really answer the question. Who am I? If I could do it in one sentence, this would be the sentence. I am. I am hip hop meets history. And I'm not talking about hip hop in the form of hip hop because hip hop is deeper than just rap music. Mm. Hip hop was a movement. Hip hop was young people looking at their situation and saying, hey, y'all have been looking the other way on us. Mm -hmm. Like when you go back and you look in and you go back and you listen to one of the first kind of songs in the 70s that came out, late 70s mm -hmm. that came out, Grandmaster Fashion, Mel and Mel, the message in that song, you know, it starts off, it, 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 it talks about broken glass everywhere, people pissing on the stage like they just don't care. Roaches in the front, junkies in the back. Mm. Something, something with the with the baseball bat, you know. And so, he, so he's giving you a vivid picture mm. of where he lives mm. and what's really going on. And he and he arches with this. Mm. Don't push me, cause I'm close to the end. I'm trying not to lose my head. <laughs> it's like a jungle sometimes to make you wonder how people going under. So see, people get all of that and they're like, oh, that's cute. He put the words together and he rhymed. It's no, listen thing. to what he said because right. he is telling you this is messed up as a kid growing up in this. Mm -hmm. You want to know why we go crazy? And the reason why I haven't gone crazy, it's a miracle because mm -hmm. I should be extremely crazy in this type of environment. Mm -hmm. But what you just said, when you said uh, the intellectual, Erica Badu had a song when she first came out called On and On. And her song would be uh, oh, on and on and on and on. My cypher keep rolling like a rolling stone. I've been going on the water with $3 and six dimes. Oh, you may laugh because you did not do your math. One, two, three. So she comes right there. She said, I go underwater with $3 and six dimes. That's 360. Water is a representation of who we are. We're, 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 we're over 70% made of water. Mm. And when you go underwater, as you know from your dad's profession, mm. you typically go under and you should come out as a new. That's 360 degrees. Mm. A 180 is half. Another 180, you're not the same person when you went under the water. Mm. And so then she goes on to say, most intellectuals don't believe in God. 
God, but their heroes are just the same. What's that mean? What you what you just said of how we talk about how intellectuals have forgotten that really all of us are spiritual beings experiencing a physical life mm. because you're going to go back to the thing you were made out of. Yeah. And the thing that gave you life will be the thing that will be taken, but you will be able to experience an eternal, if, if that's your journey, you're in, you will be able to experience internal happiness mm. based on how, based on how you did mm. in your physical journey. Right. And that right there, mm-hmm. you can, you can go to the pyramids in Egypt and see that whole, whole dramatization drawn out. Wow. Yep. So you can see that. That so you can see all of that, and that's also the same thing when we start reading. When you read the biblical text, same mm-hmm. thing. Right. You go through this whole thing because the whole point is for the return of the son. But the son doesn't come until the New Testament. Mm-hmm. But the old. What does the Old Testament do? It's showing you the connection to who's coming. Mm-hmm. That's the beauty of that's the beauty of the biblical text. Of uh, you have a whole book speaking of something that's coming, but you don't know that it's coming mm-hmm. until you get to the New Testament. Wow. <laughs> so anyway, anyway, man, That's hey, it, was, it, it was great, man. I, I, I mean, I don't know if we got too much into my backstory. <laughs> I, I think we just got we got enough, you know, but uh, I, I listen, I I, I I will say, man, you listen, you stay, stay on course, man. Thank Do you. not get off your course, man, because you drove this whole thing, whether, you know, you want to believe it or not, you drove this whole bus for us. And uh, the one thing I've learned or the one thing that I appreciate the most is let it be organic. Yeah. L- let it be organic because what happens is when people listen to it, they'll hear the authenticity. Uh, authentic- authenticity. Oh, I can't even say the word <laughs> today right now. We just leave it alone. <laughs> yes, let it go. Um, uh, but it's authenticity. I yep. got to get it right. You got As a it. teacher, you, you know, it. I can't yep. let it go. As a teacher, <laughs> you got it. <laughs> I mean, sometimes right. you just got to let it pause for a minute, Slow let down. it breathe, and then yeah, you'll, you get it. It. you'll get it back. You're right. And so, man, so no, no, I really appreciate it. Um, even you pushing me to do it. Um, you know, when you texted that, I was like, dang, I forgot about it. Oh my God. <laughs> and I was like, dang, I wanted to watch basketball. But, uh, <laughs> but I really did enjoy really spending this hour. Like basketball, I'm not even in the forethought of my mind, man, because this is what I believe. Mm. This is what I wanted to do is really get people to hear me and right. know that, man, I wasn't the kid that always got it right. Mm. I was the kid I flunked out of school twice. You know, I did. I uh, couldn't read on grade level. So if if I can do it, you can do it too. But the thing is, you gotta you gotta want. Like at a point, I got to a point in my life where I wanted education, right. and I didn't know exactly, you know, where it was going to lead me. You know, um, and 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 again, the beauty for me, the beauty of God is. When you when you can just sometimes and, and sometimes God don't, don't wait for us anyway. He's gonna make a decision for you anyway. Right. Um, but who knew, you know, from all that I was suffering back in Alabama mm. of believing I wasn't nothing to he brought me to a whole new state and made me really put me on a higher level. Like, I mean, because there I would have been just a high school teacher. Mm. I'm a professor now. It's a mm. different 
that's a different, it has a different ring. To, when I'm, when I go and I talk to people and I'm like, they're like, well, what do you do? I'm like, I'm a professor. You can see that face like, oh, wow. Oh, right, like right. it gets it, it, it gets it. Yeah. You know, it's like, you know, and the funny thing is they don't think I have a PhD and I'll be like, no, not yet. But you know, you can be a professor mm-hmm. with a master's degree because master means you mastered learning to right. where you can teach someone. That's what master means. Because yeah. before, you, because a PhD is fairly, fairly new. And when I say mm-hmm. fairly new, this wasn't always everybody had to have a PhD. All you right. had to have was a master's. Right. And then someone said, we want to switch the game mm-hmm. and now we want you to get a PhD. Yeah. You know, so, but anyway, good sir. Likewise. I, I, was, I was thinking uh, um, just as we as we wrap up, where where should people expect the uh, to find you or where do you want people to follow you either on social media or when you get around to dropping the uh, the series, if you're going to do it weekly or monthly, like where should they look out for that? Uh, people can follow me now. Uh, all one word history with swag with two G's mm-hmm. history, history with swag, uh, Instagram. OK, um, I've put up a couple uh, put up a couple just me. Uh, showcasing some of my music skills. I make beats and stuff. Okay. Um, not to not to be a, not to sell or produce. I'm not in that mindset. I'm yeah. just a creative person. Right. And music, again, you know, as I was saying before, music has really influenced. Um, you know what what I do, and you know I, I really embrace music. Like a lot of time, you know, like you know, you used to hear on the on the prayer line. Um, sometimes. I could come up with a song in a situation. Mm. Um, and that's just because I, for me, I hear music in a different way. And so, so I've kind of showcased, I have a lot of videos, but I, I am working on where I want to put up more videos, especially history videos, mm-hmm. you know, a one minute, two minute, three minute, just, you know, with videos and, gotcha. and music behind it. And uh, I'm also working on just a lot of stuff. Um, mm-hmm. I'm creating um, a class uh, about hip hop, okay. um, you know, and not just we're going to look at uh, we're going to listen to Tupac and, and dissect Tupac's music. No, mm-hmm. we're really going to look at hip hop from the standpoint of this as it relates to economically, politically, socially and culturally, right. Um, right. because there's four distinct decades that I'm looking at, I'm looking at the 1980s to 1989, mm-hmm. 1990 to 1999, 2000 to 2000. 10, I mean, 2009, mm. 2010 to 2019, and just looking at how how hip hop has changed. Mm. But has hip hop changed because of hip hop, or is hip has hip hop changed because of economically, socially, culturally, and politically what's been going around it? Right. You know, uh, that's good. And so it's all on your Instagram. Uh, history with a swag. History, yeah, history with swag. Two with G's. History with swag. Two G's on swag. Yeah, two G's on swag. Yeah. Appreciate you, Sunny D. Oh, man, appreciate you.